over in Washington, D.C. Stuart Allcroft, Chairman of City Trust. Peter Churchhouse, founder of Portwood Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let me give you a final update on the markets for this week. First of all, the ASX 200 in Australia is flat, but the Nikkei 225 is surging ahead in Japan at 1.6% at the moment. Uh, Hong Kong stocks will open for the final time this week with a Hang Seng about 70 points firmer at about 24,670-odd. In the commodities markets, uh, Brent crude oil is up about 2% this morning, trading at $20.96 a barrel. Gold is um, a little bit weaker. It's down at $1,707 an ounce. And all quiet in the currency markets. The US dollar's at 106.7 against the Japanese yen. And that's it for this week. Money Talk will return on Monday after the long weekend public holiday. I'll be here, though, tomorrow and Friday morning from 6 to 10 with two special holiday shows of music, guests and chat. So please do join me for that. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Rachel Cartland after the news. The weather forecast for today, um, it's going to be, let me just find it for you, it's going to be mainly fine. The maximum temperature is going to be about 28 degrees. Sunny periods for the rest of this week. It is going to be hot during the day. Relatively humid over the weekend with mist in the morning. Temperature right now is 23 degrees and it's 75% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. The number of COVID-19 cases in the United States has now passed one million. The figure, compiled by Johns Hopkins University, represents nearly a third of the world total and includes more than 57,000 deaths, although experts say this underestimates the impact of the disease. President Trump had this explanation for the milestone figure. You have to understand, when it comes to cases, we do much more testing than anybody else. So we could go to some of these other countries, you know, as an example, China, if you test you're going to show many more cases. So we're testing, we're doing more testing than any other country in the world by far. The parent company that owns British Airways says it may have to lay off as many as 12,000 employees at the airline, more than a quarter of the workforce. IAG said it could take years for air traffic to return to last year's levels. Here's the BBC's Theo Leggett. British Airways, like other airlines around the world, is reeling from the impact of travel restrictions introduced in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. In a letter to staff, BA's chief executive Alex Cruz said that yesterday the company flew just a handful of planes out of Heathrow, whereas on a normal day there would have been more than 300. There were no revenues coming into the business, he said, and the airline was doing everything it could to conserve cash, but more action was needed. Google's parent company Alphabet has reported increased revenue and profits for the first quarter of this year. Its performance contrasts strongly with other companies, many of which have posted big losses because of the pandemic. Here's the BBC's Zoe Thomas. The bulk of Alphabet's income is from advertising. In the first three months of this year, it accounted for 82% of the company's revenue. So, as advertisers like travel companies slash their budgets, it could become a problem. To offset the slowdown, the firm is cutting back on costs. Tech companies overall have been weathering the economic slowdown from COVID-19 far better than other sectors. But as these results show, Alphabet is reliant on the health of other industries as much as its own. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivert and your co-host today is Rachel Cartland. Rachel, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're talking today about the relaxation of the government's virus control measures, cross-border teachers and students and people whose business activities are beneficial to Hong Kong will be allowed to enter Hong Kong across the border without having to undergo 14 days of quarantine under new guidelines. The details are expected to be announced soon of that plan. The government also plans to get most civil servants back in their offices next week and public facilities such as libraries, museums and sports grounds will reopen in stages. What do you think of the proposals? Are the new measures appropriate and well-timed? What more or less would you be doing? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message uh, on our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk or you can give us a call and our telephone number is 233-88266. We look forward to hearing from you, 233-88266. Let's... uh, uh, just to uh, air some messages left over from uh, yesterday or that have come in between programmes uh, before we uh, get to uh, today's topic. Uh, yesterday we had a, um, a quite a lively discussion between uh, Mark Simon um, and uh, of Next Media and uh, David Zweig, uh, Emeritus Professor now at the uh, University of Science and Technology about, about uh, Sino-US relations and about China and, and the United States and uh, comparing their approach and, and their performance. Uh, spinning off on some of those topics, Rose J says many of the top brains in the universities are ethnic Chinese running America. Therefore, if America removed them, they would have a big hole in education at the top end. Bob says, I gave up listening to the rant yesterday around 9.20, but I'll give the loss to Mark Simon. What I didn't hear and was surprised not to was that Trump had reduced American scientific presence in China before the outbreak of COVID-19. His centres for disease control staff was severely reduced and the offices of both the National Science Foundation and the United States Agency for International Development were closed. Would the continued presence of American staff have helped is a matter for debate, but it surely would not have harmed the situation. That comes from Bob. Uh, Jim says, uh, yet again, listeners' ears were assaulted by the angry rhetoric of Mark Simon in yesterday's back chat. Making a judgment on his comments, perhaps uninformed listeners should be aware of Mark Simon's extended CV, and not just as an executive of Next Media. In his own words, quote, my father was a CIA agent for 35 years. I worked with the CIA for four years with naval intelligence, unquote. Uh, In conjunction with Jimmy Lai, his employer, he has been accused of being instrumental in spreading anti-China propaganda in Hong Kong and fomenting anti-government protests since 2014. His opaque dealings with the Republican leadership in Washington have naturally been questioned. Of course, an internet search can provide a more detailed account of his actions and politics. That comes from Jim, who says, P.S. Keep up the good work. And why not ask Bowen to occasionally co-host your programme? That's an interesting idea, Uh, Jim. Thank you very much indeed for that. Um, Matthew says... Uh, It was good to hear Mark Simon call out the important, obvious, yet rarely unacknowledged fact yesterday that so-called China experts like David Zweig, who rely on access to mainland China for their income and career, cannot possibly speak openly or honestly about the true nature of the CCP. For Mr Zweig, not to acknowledge this reality undermines credibility as it's fundamental to basic understanding and analysing the CCP. Just look at how the CCP is now bombastically lashing out at and threatening Australia 
Australia for very reasonably suggesting that there should be an independent inquiry into the causes of the Wuhan-originated virus, which has killed 200,000 people already and is likely caused the first global depression in 100 years. Could someone like Professor Zweig really dare to speak openly if he depended on future consulting and teaching opportunities on the mainland? Uh, Alison says, your Tuesday guest, Mark Simon, is a, I've got to edit this, is a crass, belligerent, rude individual. His disgraceful pitbull manner in which he spoke to David Zweig is totally unacceptable. Uh, this has nothing to do with politics, rather it's just common decency and basic manners. Even Hugh Chiverton seemed helpless in his attempts to interrupt Simon's vitriotic and spiteful monologue. Hopefully he'll not be re-invited on the show. That comes uh, from uh, Alison. And uh, finally, on an uh, unrelated topic, uh, pretty much. Uh, Phil B says, I was pleased to see that Carrie Lam has decided to relax some of the restrictions imposed due to the virus. However, her proposal to allow business people from China to enter Hong Kong without the quarantine requirement is political suicide and will undermine all the good work she's done. Also, those protesters who are now starting to step up their activities during these times are reckless and shameful. They should be arrested and treated like the 15 Democrats who were arrested last week. The Democrats, once again, have shown their true colours. They're putting everyone at risk by condoning the protests and taking part in them. That comes from Phil B. Joining us now in our central studio, David Webb, a shareholder activist, editor of a website.com. David, good morning to you. Morning. Uh, do you agree uh, with Phil B that uh, her uh, Carrie Lam's proposal to allow business people uh, from China to enter Hong Kong without the quarantine requirement uh, will undermine the good work she's done? Um, yes. It's, it's a little more subtle than that, but... Oh, right, we'll um, go home then. The, <laughs> the, the, um, what I said in a very long study on this uh, on website.com two days ago uh, is that we now have a very effective airport uh, quarantine and testing regime. You get off a plane at the airport and you have to take a spit test and you have to wait for the result either at the airport or in a hotel overnight before you're cleared or go to hospital. Um, we don't have that regime at the land border. We do still have the Shenzhen Bay and Hong Kong Zhuhai Macau Bridge open and about, half, about 500 people a day are coming in that way, mostly returning Hong Kong citizens. And they are only being tested if they say they've been to Hubei province. And so we don't actually know for a fact um, that, they are, that they would all test negative if we tried. The only encouraging statistic is that they're not subsequently showing up as COVID cases with travel histories to the mainland. So that might well indicate that, in fact, there isn't a risk or material risk of fully opening the mainland border. But I would like to see a period of testing before we do. Mm. perhaps two weeks where we test all arrivals from the mainland and, and see whether they have um, any uh, uh, virus. Uh, if they don't, um, then we could open that border. And I think we could already do that with Macau because there haven't been any cases there since April the 8th. So we don't need to maintain the quarantine against them. And what I've proposed is something called QUIET, which is an acronym for Quarantined Union for International Exempt Travel, where we gradually and carefully resume bilateral travel without quarantine with other places that have eliminated the virus within their territories. And we're already getting quite close to being able to do that, certainly with Macau. Um, uh, also, um, Australia and New Zealand are getting down to single digits. And in a couple of weeks, they'll be down to zero. And, um, and surprisingly, um, Vietnam, which has had a very effective um, uh, approach to the uh, uh, 
outbreak uh, is also uh, with quite widespread testing down to zero. Now, I always take a pinch of salt with any single party state uh, without a free media, but it does seem that that's uh, um, a reality. I've spoken to people on the ground there. And so there are countries around the world that are gradually getting close to zero, even Iceland, which is um, obviously you can't fly nonstop to Iceland from Hong Kong, but um, there, there are places that, are, that have taken an elimination approach. And there are other places that unfortunately are taking a mitigation approach to the virus um, and are already starting to relax their lockdowns. Spain and Italy, for example, and the USA, particularly, um, with where you've got 50 different uh, jurisdictions, or 48 of them joined together, plus the District of Columbia. And they are still, um, you know, they're, they're mitigating, but I don't think they're going to get to an elimination of the virus, and it'll pick up again as soon as they relax their controls. So, 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 so how would you determine who was in this alliance? Who would be, well, it would who would be, be by, considered clean? It, it would be by... Um, uh, looking at their data, looking at their testing practices. Obviously, if you haven't been testing, you simply don't know. Um, and and a, a unanimous vote of the members, because once you allow bilateral travel between them, it becomes um, a network effect. And you want to be able to say that uh, within that network, uh, you, can, you can travel freely. And if any one place uh, then, for some reason, has a leakage back into its borders uh, uh, because they... Um, take their eye off the ball and the rates pick up again, then you would suspend the privilege and they would have to go through quarantine when they come to Hong Kong. That sounds rather similar, to, I think, to uh, what Professor Ben Cowling has been talking about as a possible way forward. So perhaps mm. that's got some real um, guts behind it, that something... Well, we've, that got to the... we've got to start somewhere. And if we can be convinced that the mainland is clean then at least we've got a contiguous area of 1.4 billion people. Uh, we can invite, uh, we, can, we can welcome them back to our shops and uh, to do tourism here um, and, and stimulate our economy again. So, I mean, it's, it's been a terrible time for retailers, uh, restaurateurs and so on, not just because um, they've been, uh, had draconian laws imposed on them, uh, but, but also the lack of business uh, from the mainland. Uh, and so, you know, you could quite quickly develop an area that accounts for at least 20% of the global population by including Vietnam, China, Australia, New Zealand, Macau, mm. uh, and a few other places okay, around Okay, two things, two things. One, one is, do, what about China? Would you accept the situation in China? And do you look at the province? Well, as I say... Or because I if there's to... an outbreak in Harbin, that's not obviously going to immediately affect us. Well, um, I thought... Uh, you know, unless there are strict borders between provinces, which okay. I don't think there, there really are now, no. um, you, you've got to treat each um, um, uh, territory as, as a whole. Okay. Um, and and that, that, so I wouldn't be convinced, for example, by an elimination in New York State, which is still connected to the other 47 contiguous states. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. That makes sense. And, and that's a problem, actually, for them in terms of reinfection. They can do all the, all the lockdowns they want in New York. Um, but if Louisiana isn't taking it seriously or some other place, not singling out Louisiana, but some some place. Um, then, because of yeah. uh, domestic travel, it, it will reinfect as soon as they um, uh, travel up there. So, what are the figures now in China as a whole? I, I, I don't know. Well, they're, they're publishing. The CDC of China publishes a daily statement, mm. which you can run through Google Translate, and, and they're coming up at around um, ten cases that they call infections per day, sometimes less, um, maybe half imported. Well, and, that sounds clean to me. That, and that's close to zero, isn't it? Out of 1.4 billion, yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. But also they're saying 30 asymptomatic, and I don't know what that quite means, so maybe you should treat it as 40. I don't, I'd like to see some testing at our border with by our healthcare people um, so that we have our own data 
um, on, on the samples that are coming back. So after, say, two weeks of 500 a day, you'll, you'll be uh, looking at 7,000 uh, people, and if none of them have but come back do, infected... But we do, that's what we have now, isn't it? Only at the airport. It's, uh, there's been a lot of focus on what they're doing at Asia World Expo, but people forget about the land border. So you come across the Shenzhen Bay and they say, have you been to Hubei province? And you, and you say no, possibly even if you have, you say no. Um, and, um, and then you're in. Um, uh, if, you, if you have been, they'll, they'll test you and uh, ask for your sample back. But uh, you okay. have to do so, the 14 days quarantine, yes, don't you, do. you anyway? So. Yes, you do still have to do the quarantine at the moment. Now, now we're talking about lifting it for uh, students and business people. And, well, but nobody, this, this, as you said, nobody has shown up in that quarantine who's been infected. Not, not since... Um, I'm saying you're, you, you said we let introduce testing, but they, effectively they have testing. I well, mean, it's home quarantine. And also because people are coming in and yeah. we have no new cases in Hong Kong. The only people it's, who've turned up have come from UK or USA or something like that. Yeah, so, so, that, so it's encouraging, but mm, I would say it's yeah. not convincing. The reason is that um, if you're not tested when you arrive and you go into home quarantine for 14 days and you have a minor symptoms and you just brush it off rather than put yourself into government quarantine... Uh, so, so you don't call a doctor and you then, after 14 days, you're free to walk around. That doesn't necessarily catch all of the uh, cases. So the, 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 the rigorous approach at the airport now where everybody has to take a test and they get a jar to take another test on the 12th day um, is, is a, uh, obviously a much more convincing uh, set of data. Uh, and we will still get some people coming back from the UK and the USA and other places with their right of abode in Hong Kong um, to seek uh, potential medical treatment or just because they need to visit someone here. Um, and so I would expect the uh, we'll still be seeing occasional daily announcements of, of new imported cases, but those don't really matter because they are tested and they are in quarantine at home. Um, you could perfect that a little by requiring them to be in quarantine in a dedicated uh, hotel room instead of at home, uh, but that hasn't been a problem so far in terms of collateral infections. On the bigger question, you obviously take COVID seriously. You don't belong to this school of thought that says the cure is worse than the disease, the economies around the world are hurting so much, we hmm. must just cross our fingers. There's a letter in the Financial well, Times this morning saying it's so damaging on a cost-benefit basis to keep young people out of the economic marketplace. What's your sort of view on these things? Well, it's not obvious that I take it that way. <laughs> um, it, 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 there is a debate to be had about that. Um, and, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the facts to bear in mind is that um, we now know and did know three months ago from data in, from China that it doesn't affect young people very much unless they happen to have some uh, comorbidity and other illness that, that would make them vulnerable. Obviously, if you're suffering from leukaemia and you're five years old, you are very vulnerable. Um, but um, the... Uh, uh, because of that, the, the, and because of the uh, data which suggest you would lose, if you just let it run wild, you'd probably lose about half to 1% of your population, but they would be mostly old people who are not far from death anyway, statistically. Um, uh, there is that debate to be had, but unfortunately, at the outset, in most democracies, in all democracies really, you could not say to the people, as, as the UK briefly did, um, that we're going to lose lots and lots of people, but they'll be mostly old, so let's just uh, live with it and try and flatten the curve. But the reality is that that's what they are doing. Um, they are still clocking up about 4,000 cases a day in the UK, only through hospital testing. They're not testing widely in the community. 
And the what's happened is that the political calculus shifts over time. People initially think, yes, we must do this for the country. We'll, we'll, we'll go home and we'll just play Scrabble for a couple of weeks and everything will be fine and we'll get on like we'll get on with our families as well as we thought we do. Um, but then after about uh, six weeks of that, they start to really tire of it and go, well, actually, I don't, don't get on with my family as well as I thought. I miss my friends. I miss my uh, grandparents or ch grandchildren. Um, and, and, uh, and the political um, calculus shifts, and then they start to think, well, maybe we should just try to live with this until we get a vaccine and, and suffer a high death rate amongst the elderly and infirm. So, you know, it... It wasn't possible at the beginning, and even Donald Trump was heavily criticised. Well, he always is, but but you know, initially, initially ventured that opinion, um, and Boris Johnson and his government briefly let's said, let's go for herd immunity, and then they had to back off um, and go with the lockdowns. But over time, the the, the political uh, willpower to carry on with that diminishes. So I think that's why we're going to see a network of mitigating countries that don't care much about their airports and borders because they've been getting a steady rate of infections anyway. And then there'll be a network of clean countries and territories like Hong Kong and, and hopefully mainland China where we have actually cleaned it up and um, we would like to have bilateral travel um, and, and uh, obviously when, when the vaccine, if a vaccine becomes available and there's good signs that there will be, um, then, then they would all take it and then they could resume contacts with the rest of the world. Yeah, I must say, I find that those mood shifts in the US and UK fascinating, simply because it never really happened in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, there was always this feeling mm. right from the beginning, we'll stop this in the, its tracks, not mm. we'll uh, let a certain amount of people die, they're old anyway, yes. so on and so on. Well, I think, I think it's because we never got to the stage of a massive outbreak. Um, you know, the, the highest daily local cases was 24 um, during the uh, so-called bar and band cluster. And um, that was manageable with contact tracing. Uh, we never got to the stage where, like the UK we, we and the took, US... We took quite they... aggressive measures quite early on, didn't we? Mm. Not, the, not the lockdown, but the schools yeah. closed like that. And, and everybody, well, that, yes, but that everybody wasn't, And everyone took it. the masks, yeah, and everyone, no one... It was, about it. it was the eventual quarantining of, of the borders that... that um, uh, prevented mass outbreaks, and we, we, you know, we imposed one on the mainland border on the 8th of February. Um, we were a little late to the game with the other countries, and that's why we got a secondary wave because we had people coming in from infected countries before, uh, right up until the 25th of March. It was the 19th of March when we said all, all foreign countries, and then the 25th of March when we added Taiwan and Macau. Um, and so that's why we got the the, the second wave. But but un, uh, if you compare it with other places. Um, the outbreak was well underway before the governments woke up to it in the, uh, the UK and the USA. So they didn't have an option of contact tracing. They had to go with lockdown mm. if they wanted to mitigate it at all. Right. And uh, some places have taken gentle lockdowns like Sweden. Uh, and others have taken very heavy ones like the UK. Okay, some uh, comments from uh, listeners. Uh, this is uh, email. I'll get to the Facebook in a moment. Uh, Leon says, a question. Under the government's proposed relaxed travel rules for mainlanders, will they be tested on arrival? Uh, my understanding is they, they won't. 
They just no, that's uh, as far as we know. But they, yesterday's announcement was a little bit uh, amusing because <laughs> they, they said there'd be more detail. They were still working it out. They yeah. actually haven't discussed this. With, it's so it's <laughs> so vague. You know, they gazette something. Yes, and and yet you know, there's a page of uh, saying, but actually everything else is going to be filled in later. Yes, so we don't know whether. I mean, for example, Shenzhen two days ago imposed a, a, a strict quarantine on people arriving in Shenzhen. So. Um, you know, they're not on the same hymn, hymn page yet. What is becoming quite clear is that the, the only real reason that the schools haven't opened is the government wanted to wait until the mainland students could come in. And I think that's a shame. If you look at approaches elsewhere, they recognise that because of the very low um, uh, impact on children of COVID-19, um, it's, it's often a better option to have them in school rather than um, at home and um, and, and Singapore kept its schools open um, and right up until they had another problem in their dormitories of, of construction workers where they went into a, a nationwide uh, lockdown. Um, and, and during that uh, control study, effectively, we had Hong Kong schools closed, Singapore schools open. Uh, there were no Taiwan, outbreaks. they were mostly open, weren't they? Yes, and, and, and Australia kept schools open and there hasn't been a consequence, a negative consequence in Singapore from that. Uh, there, there were a few teachers who went uh, on holidays and came back infected and infected other teachers, but the kids were fine and they weren't vectoring the virus back home to other parents or anything like that. So even though we had clusters of adults in churches and so on in Singapore, uh, you could see they must have had some children, but their children weren't sending it to other parents. So, so the schools could have stayed open all along. And I think it's been a, a, a basically um, a sort of one-country approach that um, Carrie Lam has taken on that, that uh, in order not to exclude um, children in Shenzhen who... And let's remember, the reason that they um, come across the border is that their parents don't live here uh, and they only got their citizenship through, through, through coming and uh, being born in Hong Kong. And um, and that we could include them if we wanted by video link anyway, so the schools could have reopened. And it's um, you know they they managed to get the DSE exams underway um, a month late. I just passed a school on the way here, and it's good to see them going in. But they've been home home uh, learning for the last uh, three months, um, and and uh, you know it's it's just not the same as being able to interact in a classroom with their peers and, and with their teachers. Mm. All right, some, some more uh, emails from listeners. Thank you. Uh, Colin says, I think we all welcome the relaxation of the restrictions due to the coronavirus. Hong Kong people have done a good job of following the guidelines. My son arrived from Europe yesterday, was tested on arrival, and has now started 14 days quarantine at a hotel at my expense. No assistance from the government. I could not believe border restrictions would be relaxed mm. to allow some travellers from China, the epicentre of the coronavirus, to enter Hong Kong via the land crossing without even being tested. Surely, at a minimum, they should be tested. Why is Hong Kong taking this unnecessary risk and why are they not testing these incoming travellers? Hong Kong has made good progress, but why is more extensive testing of the population not being carried out? Most other countries, including China, have carried out widespread testing of the population. There appears to be reluctance to carry out widespread testing. That comes uh, from uh, Colin. And I've got to say that in the Gazette, the description of business people... Uh, you know, it, it, they it left struggled it, there. A bit, it left it open yeah. to the idea that somebody would decide whether they are beneficial to the economic yeah. development of Hong Kong. 
Uh, so presumably we welcome people who are members of provincial CPPCC bodies and uh, things like that, and maybe not so much the pro-democracy uh, business people who um, are not beneficial to Hong Kong. I mean, you know, it could become political, uh, but it's extremely subjective. And if you're going to allow business people to come to and fro, then what about the social needs of people who have elderly, elderly relatives to visit in, in Guangdong province um, or um, in the opposite direction, um, who, families who've been separated by the quarantine? Um, and, and why not just take a blanket approach, do some testing, convince ourselves that China is basically clean and then fully open the border? Okay. Yeah, it's very weird drafting, to say the least. Uh, okay, on Facebook, uh, Kai says, I think the Hong Kong government should make reference from Taiwan, keep closed the gate of any kind of travellers, even the cases number drop, and the government should support people to have testing and find the real number of community infections in the city. Now the government has only tested the income up, but not the citizens living in Hong Kong. Hope the Hong Kong government can do more before releasing uh, any work. Uh, Barbara says, I'm a part-time yoga instructor in Shenzhen, but I live in uh, Shengshai. Can I get the exemption from 14 days quarantine when I'm back home from Shenzhen? Yeah. Let's talk more about on double city living style, this topic. I've been staying at home from 24th of January, given COVID virus, uh, no income at all during over three months. I presume I have to go on staying at home for one more month or two. Oh, my God. Uh, Tom says, uh, your listener, Matthew, yesterday is completely accurate. Many of my talking points are blue camp talking points because I am indeed in the blue camp. 41% of Hong Kong voted for pro-establishment candidates in the last district council election. I simply feel that cooperation is better than conflict. My life was also better in 2018 than now, and I suspect many people in Hong Kong also feel that way. The concept of democracy is that we respect each other's differences and find balanced solutions to issues of a public interest. If the blue camp feels the other side is idealistic, but a bit dogmatic and impractical, but the yellow camp believes the other side are minions of a mythical evil empire, I'm unsure how democracy will work if the yellow camp is in charge of the mechanics of government someday. On today's topic, says Tom, it's great that Hong Kong can loosen restrictions. Hopefully we can also do more testing, such as again at the end of the 14-day quarantine period for travellers from highly infected countries. And uh, Barbara just adds to that, Tom, I agree with your concept of democracy. That's all on our Facebook page, as well as a uh, further discussion arising from uh, yesterday's uh, uh, issues. Um, you can uh, check out the page, Facebook uh, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, if you want to contribute or uh, read that. We're going to break now for the news uh, at nine o'clock. Charles Mock, the IT sector lawmaker, will be joining us in the um, second part of the programme. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about those uh, about the uh, civil service measures uh, as well and uh, LCSD facilities and museums and sports facilities uh, returning to normal, re reopening uh, in stages. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, before all that, the weather mainly fine. Temperatures up to about 28 degrees today. Sunny periods for the rest of the week, 23 degrees now and the humidity is now at 73%. <laughs> This is back chat on a what is it Wednesday morning with Rachel Carland and uh, me, Hugh Children. It's a funny week. That's yeah, my, just that's... before your big holiday. Yeah? <laughs> yes, that's, my, that's my excuse. Uh, we're talking about uh, the uh, proposal to uh, relax various um, uh, virus containment measures uh, made by the uh, chief executive yesterday, and in a, uh, a gazette we were also discussing in the first part of the program, uh, allowing uh, more people to arrive in, in Hong Kong without the compulsory quarantine. So that would be students and uh, people deemed useful for 
business purposes. Uh, we're talking uh, over those proposals and also the idea of uh, civil servants returning to work and more government facilities, including uh, sports facilities and museums and libraries and so on, reopening uh, in the uh, coming weeks. Uh, David Webb was joining us in the first part of the programme. He's still with us, editor of uh, website.com. We're also joined now by Charles Mock, who's the IT sector lawmaker. Uh, Mike says, uh, Mike, could you expand a bit on this? Mike says in an email um, what to do, or you could look at Sweden and Denmark and notice how lockdown and no lockdown really did have much difference in those countries. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what you're referring to there, Mike. So Sweden didn't have a lockdown, but I don't know quite what the figures were like in Sweden and Denmark. If you could amplify that, that would be useful. Thanks very much indeed. Charles Mock, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. So what, what do you make of those proposals from the chief executive yesterday? Well, first of all, I, I uh, was listening to your Chinese program just half an hour ago and uh, getting an update. Uh, actually, the, uh, uh, one of the officials from the uh, Food and Health Bureau was sort of explaining about the, uh, the, uh, the announcement yesterday. So basically, to me, it seems like it was a, <clears throat> it was a procedural and a legal step that they're, 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 uh, they're doing to uh, gazette and uh, empower the chief secretary to make a final decision uh, and on the recommendation and uh, and uh, the final procedures being worked out by the related department, uh, uh, for example, the education department, uh, the education bureau, and the uh, and the uh, commerce and economic development bureau, uh, so that they can really define, you know, for example, when the schools are going to be open and when people uh, when those uh, cross borders ch- uh, children are going to be allowed to come back in uh, without quarantine or uh, for the uh, uh, you know business people who are considered to be beneficial to economic activities in Hong Kong, when they are going to be uh, allowed in, and how to how to vet them, and how to apply, and so on. So yeah, I have to say that the announcement is confusing because a lot of people, like Rachel was asking, you know, they some people might you know, and, and we've seen it a lot of times with these sort of government announcements. Once they announced, when they talked about it. Everybody in Hong Kong thought that it happened right away. But in reality, you know, they haven't even worked out any of the details. And uh, that sort of confusion is unnecessary, I think. Uh, the government would be much better off if they have a better and clearer idea about how to apply and when it really will be possibly uh, implemented with, uh, before they make such an announcement or do it at the same time. But unfortunately, right now it's a lot of confusion. I think uh, uh, I was listening to some of the comments from uh, uh, parents, for example. I understand what David has been saying about schools might be uh, better off open, but there are a lot of parents who are very worried, and uh, they were uh, saying that uh, you know, for some of these uh, grades, do they have to be rushed to be open right away? And uh, and uh, so, uh, and also, likewise, if there are uh, some of these uh, uh, business people and they thought that they would benefit from this kind of uh, exemption, then they must be calling the uh, government or the GEDB today to find out how to apply. And I think they will get an answer to say that we have no idea. Absolutely. I mean, I don't want to labour the point, but as a piece of administration, it seems to me mm, 
not not very um, straightforward shall we shall we politely mm. politely say uh yesterday your uh, colleague in the pan democratic camp Kwok Kar Ki, uh seemed to be taking quite a negative view in principle about these um exemptions he was saying we're letting the wolves back in is that a, a general pandem view or is that a Kwok Kar Ki view I, I i think most of us are very concerned uh, to different degree maybe but i do agree that uh, uh, it might be a step that is premature. First of all, as I said, uh, many of the details are uncertain. Uh, when you say uh, you're going to allow individuals with business activities that is uh, beneficial to the economy of Hong Kong to be in and out, now what does that mean? Would that end up to be, uh, uh, you know, 10 people a day or 10,000 people a day? Uh, that fits into that category. Isn't, isn't uh, all business beneficial to the economy if we allow yeah. it, if it's yeah. licensed? <laughs> yeah, any business might be, might, might be incrementally, uh, 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 various in a small way or big way, uh, but many, many of them in a small way that would be beneficial to the economy of Hong Kong. So it could include everybody virtually. And uh, there were also a lot of concerns about whether these people, once they get into China, that uh, uh, they are strictly adhering to the conditions that might be set uh, for their uh, exemption. Because my understanding from listening to the official from the FHB is that uh, there will be conditions like you are only going to go to the place of work and absolute uh, you know, business necessity or whatever. So do you go to a sauna? Do you go to a, 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 a lunch or even a business lunch or dinner? Uh, or, or a bar, and do you do you inform the government uh, about it? Declare on your re-arrival, uh, coming back to Hong Kong or whatever. Uh, it's opening up a lot of concerns. And the other thing is, uh, like you just mentioned a while ago, uh, there are actually uh, even stricter uh, restrictions uh, for Shenzhen for people coming in. Uh, to Shenzhen that has been announced by the Shenzhen government. So apparently they are taking a much stricter approach. Now these people that, uh, uh, so are we relying on Shenzhen mm. to do the work for us? But on one, the other one hand, thing that is concerning is the possibility that they're hiding a second wave or that yeah, they're suppressing yeah, a second yeah. wave because um, if the country is as virus-free as the, as the statistics indicate, doesn't have to do that. Then, then why or why is it that we're seeing uh, coverage on CGTN, for example, where kids are going back to school but they're greeted by people in full hazmat suits and yeah, being sprayed yeah. at the entrance and so on? If, if there's no longer any real risk, then, then why are they all still uh, so... Um, and so act, acting in, in virus uh, mode, as it were. So, you know, uh, I'd like to really see some independent verification that anyone who has symptoms gets well, a test and, and so on. <laughs> you're not going to get independent verification on data in China. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, and the trouble is that the sample of people that we do get coming across the border, Hong Kong returnees mostly, about 500 a day coming through Shenzhen Bay, um, they have probably been behaving extremely cautiously in the mainland uh, and reducing their risk of contagion anyway. So they're not necessarily a representative sample of the whole population of China. Okay, some interesting emails uh, have come in. Backchatter.thk.hk is our, is our email address on, on a variety of topics, including questions for our, for our listeners. Uh, uh, Charles Mock, I know you might have to go suddenly, so, so uh, let me 
put this I should be okay for now. Okay, all right, okay. There's, there's a vote in Legco. All right, James says, uh, Morning, I work from home on Lama Island, where we have the choice of one internet provider, PCCW. Hmm. The usual internet here is one-tenth at my friend's place in Qingyi, also provided by CCW. Uh, with so many neighbours, our teachers, the bandwidth is really absorbed and connectivity is ridiculously slow. Would it not be a generous gesture by PCCW to waive the wireless fee for perhaps two months? This government has thrown hundreds of millions at making Hong Kong a tech hub and now there is nothing to show for it. I wonder if Charles will help with my campaign on PCCW. That comes from James. Mr. Mock? Well, please, is that, is that James? Uh, that's from a guy called James, yeah, who lives online. Right, right. Uh, uh, yeah, Hugh, uh, 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 you might be able to connect him with me. Let, me. let me find out more details about the situation over there. But in general, yes, this is a big problem. Mm. We have a big problem of digital divide that has been uh, ignored by the government. Uh, whenever the government thinks that 99% of the problem is solved or 98% of the problem is solved, they uh, think that the, they, they, they just round it up and they ignore the rest of the, the remaining 1% or 2%. Yeah, to be fair, though, that is yeah. that is um, a free market approach. I mean, if you choose yeah, to live at a cheaper place payment. with poorer <laughs> connectivity, then yeah. that's one of the downsides of having lower rent. But, um, but I've heard that it's happening quite generally, actually, even in the even in the posher areas, hmm. that one of the drawbacks of working from home has turned out to be poor connectivity or not good enough connectivity, even in quite upmarket blocks. Charles, have yeah, you heard yeah, anything yeah. like that? Yeah, it, I, I think there is a problem uh, because uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I, I know uh, David is going to say that about free market. But there's a tremendous amount of cream scheming that is still happening, despite the fact that we have more than one uh, 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 prevalent uh, broadband or telecom operator in Hong Kong to the credit of the government uh, opening up policy for more than 20 years. But the problem is still that uh, for many of these rural areas, there are practical problems that, that, that uh, in many cases, preventing mm -hmm. the uh, operators from going in. Uh, because of villagers, village heads that are monopolizing or trying to shut off these companies from coming in or charging them a huge price in order to go in and so on. That's still happening. And uh, the government have a rural uh, broadband subsidy plan that uh, 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 they put up. But unfortunately, uh, uh, I don't want to get into the details here, not the, the real discussion topic today. But the problem is uh, even that plan was very uh, was not not very w well uh, received by the industry. Uh, very lukewarm re reception, basically because of the fact that the government would only help these companies get to right outside the village. They have no yeah. way of well, helping ho them hopefully, get in. Ho hopefully, increased bandwidth from five G will will solve some of those problems. Do you mm. think? Uh, because they, can, the, they don't have to go yes through the land. No, I, no, not really. Because we've seen it with four uh, G. That many of the villagers actually have very poor connection for cellular for for 4G because of the fact same problem you cannot get the fiber into the villages you cannot likewise to put the bases up access okay. the, because the base station into villages as uh, well all right, right. So, so some more emails. Uh, 
let's see. Uh, John says, so shall we conclude the Hong Kong government is now following Trump's governance principles? Announce first and think later. <laughs> or, as is so often the case with Trump, is there a hidden political objective? Mm -hmm. That comes uh, from John. Uh, Alan says, the idea that free passage be given to people who are economically helpful to Hong Kong is abused. How does that have any logic for preventing disease? Basically, it means you have good guangxi, you do not need to worry about quarantine because that makes you immune to viruses. The US now has the world's highest number of infections, if we believe China's figures anyway, mostly because of Trump's magical thinking that just by saying it was not a problem would make it go away. Carrie wants to follow his playbook. Her number one motive is always how best to suck up to Beijing. Hong Kong's welfare is immaterial. Hong Kong has a low rate of infection despite her best efforts to ignore it, thanks to the people who lived through SARS and knew what was necessary. That's uh, from uh, uh, Alan. Um, and uh, Martin has a question for David Webb. Martin says, interesting, after Mark Simon, David Webb is on the show as COVID-19 expert. Mark Simon, Jimmy Lai and David Webb know each other well. Uh, as David Webb was one of the biggest... <laughs> no, we don't. Okay. <laughs> I know them, but not very well. All right. uh, as, uh, uh, he's not really on as a COVID-19 expert, to be honest. Okay, Martin's, anyway, says, As David Webb was one of the biggest shareholders of Apple Daily and supporter of the anti-government movement, maybe David Webb can shed some light on the future of Next Media, how it raised funding in support of the movement and the continuation of violent protests and riots which are planned for the 1st and 10th of May 2020, with the aim of, to revive international support and eventually impose sanctions against Hong Kong and individuals. That comes from Martin. Well, I can't speak for Next Media. You'll have to ask them. Um, you know, it's uh, uh, it, one one thing we haven't touched on this morning on the uh, uh, local situation is there's the huge impact of of what uh, Carrie Lam has done, her administration has done with lockdown laws, um, bars, uh, gyms, cinemas, uh, karaoke. Um, Massage parlours, all of those are still closed. Beauty parlours as well. Um, uh, restaurants having to run at half capacity effectively because of the spacing between tables. Um, and uh, theme parks closed. Ocean Park, already bleeding money, now has no revenue at all for the last three months. And I think it would be nice before we start opening the mainland border to allow Hong Kong people to enjoy Hong Kong. Uh, we can't go anywhere on holiday because if we did, we'd have to go on quarantine when we come back. So why not reopen Disneyland, Ocean Park, uh, remove all of the uh, locks in one go um, to prove that we don't have any remaining uh, hidden infections in Hong Kong? I don't think we have. And if we do occasionally get leakage, we can trace it and contain it uh, from, uh, you know, for example, from, from a, an, air, a, an air flight attendant who comes back and uh, is exempt and then uh, accidentally transmits it into the community. We can contain that. But we ought to get back to normal within Hong Kong. That's... That's the um, benefit we should have bought ourselves with a strict quarantine. And we shouldn't have to have both, a very strict border quarantine, preventing us going away effectively, and still have all of these social controls within Hong Kong. All right, so, so some more emails. Um, this is from uh, Patrick, who says, I was shocked yesterday to read Health Secretary Sophia Chan was going to ease restrictions on some mainland groups. This seems careless, preemptively not well thought out. We have 900,000 students plus thousands of educators in the city that have not been attending schools for 11 weeks now. We need to get our education sector back and stable in terms of COVID-19. Yet one of the government's groups to ease restrictions is 20 to 30,000 daily cross-border students. I know it might be hard, but these students should do a COVID test and 
14-day quarantine like everyone else and choose which side of the border they are on. I know this may be difficult for some, but if they have a link to Hong Kong, they should have a place to reside. Millions of parents are putting up with homeschooling. This needs to be attended to first. We don't need more putting the cart before the horse by the Hong Kong government. The government needs to hear us. We are the loyal, resolute, committed Hong Kong parents. Ignore our silent majority at your election peril. That comes uh, from Patrick. Uh, Mark has a simple question. Do we know, do we yet know how much a COVID test costs? I don't know. Anyone know about, about that? Anyone isn't, it, that? isn't it free if you... If you yeah, think the government's doing it for free. I mean, yeah. how much does it cost them? Um, not much compared to the huge economic cost of uh, everything else they're doing. Um, and very misguidedly as well, because they're paying um, employers um, who had no intention of laying people off to uh, an extra sum of money, basically. They're still going to pay the employees anyway. Uh, but those who have been laid off um, uh, or, or put on um, unpaid leave, um, you know, they won't get anything unless they come back to work. So, you know, it, it is a completely mad approach that will burn through a lot of extra reserves unnecessarily. Um, and uh, and I hope that all companies now claim it because, uh, you know, that's uh, their way of getting back some of the over the, the excessive tax payments they've made over the years that have resulted in uh, hoarded reserves by the government. So it's a weird it's good situation. Segue there, David, <laughs> whereby I've got to say from charging for tests. Okay, Paisley in an email says, uh, Dear Backchat, Hong Kong government should adopt a very careful approach to relaxing the existing travel restrictions on incoming mainlanders. For example, they should all remain subject to mandatory testing on arrival. Let's not forget that there is still a very strong anti-China sentiment along, among large swathes of Hong Kongers, which will become readily apparent in the weeks and months ahead as anti-government anti protesters return to the streets. If relaxed travel rules for inbound mainlanders cause a second wave of COVID infections in Hong Kong, it will only further fuel the anti-China mood. That comes from... Well, I'm sure Paisley. that during this uh, last few months, the government has, uh, behind the scenes, been hard at work on uh, drafting proposals to abolish functional constituencies, um, <laughs> or at least to, to give them uh, uh, abolish corporate voting and allow individuals individual worker voting in things like financial services. Are you so, talking about abolishing some of the functional constituency oh, legislators? Well, I would, I would at least abolish... I would at least abolish the corporate voting. I mean, you, you, Charles, have individual voting in your constituency, um, the IT sector. That's, that's why you're a pan-democrat and a functional constituency legislator. Well, I don't think they're working on that. I think they're working on some of us as individuals, as legislators, not the system. Yes. No, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. They haven't been working on this. They could have been. Uh, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long time uh, since the uh, extradition bill crisis began, and they could have been addressing the root cause, which is the lack of democratic accountability without touching Beijing because, as you know, uh, the, the election process for okay. the FCs is in local okay. law. OK, Charles, Charles Mock, I think that yeah. that that hostility, that anti-China sentiment is real, isn't it? Uh, and, and regrettable uh, in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, you know, common sense surely would say that if you look at the actual, you look at the numbers of uh, infections in the mainland, it's very, very low. It's practically zero. Um, and we should be opening the borders. Well, no I reason think, not I to. think uh, some of us uh, are still worried about what uh, some of the medical experts are talking about as the hidden cases. You know, those people who are uh, not adequately tested or those people who are not showing symptoms or even those people who are uh, be, were tested negative but then after a while they, they thought they recovered but actually they're still carrying the antibodies or the virus. 
So those uh, reports keep coming back in. So I think uh, there's a reasonable reasons for concern. Now, uh, I, I, I also want to say that if we look at the government's planning of how to reopen things, it seems like they are more uh, worried or they are more interested in thinking about how to reopen the border as opposed to opening up some of the restrictions within Hong Kong, mm. like David was talking about. The only thing that we have heard from the government regarding reopening uh, some of these closed activities in Hong Kong would be uh, telling the uh, civil servants or the government workers to fully go back to work uh, uh, in phases uh, uh, in the coming weeks, and also reopening the libraries and uh, the, these public government public uh, places or swimming pools and so on in the coming weeks yeah. in phases. Now, they seem to only be doing that rather than, like uh, David was talking about, uh, some of these other restrictions, you know, some of these ridiculous restrictions about four people, uh, you know, being in the same area, or whether it's be 1.5 meter apart, or whether you be going there with the same purpose. You know, the other day I was going up an escalator, and I was thinking, you know, we all have the same purpose of Just going to get to the top. <laughs> so, so is, that, is that a crime? So, you know, that, that these, all these kind of problems... Yeah, they, I think the Secretary for Justice has already said that queuing up at a bus stop is okay. So, well, yeah, that's actually know. an I exempt. Mean, I'm, I'm just going upstairs. Uh, yeah. and we are all going there's, to the same destination. There's an exemption upstairs. in the law for, 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 for the purposes of transportation, Charles. So, I don't uh, know whether that is transportation. Maybe. Um, so, you're being. Yeah. transported I'm, I'm, but but yes there's, there's nothing in the law about common purpose i mean as, as i pointed out yesterday uh, yeah. she she has completely the secretary of justice misrepresented her own regulations um, those laws are about distances between clusters of four people groups of four uh, and nothing else it doesn't matter why they're there whether they all agreed to mm -hmm. be there as long as they're separated by at least one and a half meters between four people um, and and you know but that that should be scrapped i mean we don't have yeah. local transmission going on I I would suggest this, that if the government wants to win some brownie points, why not give every Hong Kong ID card holder one free entry to Ocean Park and one mm. free entry to Disneyland in uh. the next three months? Open them back up. Let us uh, Hong Kong people enjoy them. Disneyland is 57% owned by the government, mm. by the Hong Kong people. Um, and, and, you know, they've been closed anyway with zero revenue. So that would be a good way to begin uh, normal activity before we start opening the mainland border. And both, well, we, particularly Disneyland, is really beyond the means of a, an awful lot of ordinary families in Hong Kong. Mm. They can just never go there at all. Yeah, so so if they're going to throw money around, that wouldn't be a small, you know, too too bad a way to do it. It's a, just a small way to help people feel better. I mean, it's better than doing something like uh, Harbour Fest, which happened in after mm. SARS in two thousand three, where we well, hide the, you know what, hide the Rolling Stones. <laughs> you know what, David? If you if, if the government does that, uh, what? What I think people will, will say is that uh, I want to keep my job. And uh, what you were doing with the package that just uh, got implemented and, with, and companies are still not sure how to apply for that $9,000 subsidy per month or whatever, uh, you know, that's not a good scheme, like you said. And the problem is if the government tells people to go to the Disneyland or go to, 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 to Ocean Park, people will actually say, why don't you help my business? Why don't you help me keep my job? Mm. And you're not doing well there, and you're just telling me to go to uh, 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 Ocean Park. Yeah. They will create even more dissatisfaction, mm. even more criticism by doing that, okay. in my view. 
Okay. Uh, an email from Alan um, on PCCW. Uh, Alan says, James on Llama complained about the lousy internet on Llama and suggests PCCW just reduce the wireless charge. That won't help. The problem is there is not enough capacity. The uplink is a microwave link to Hong Kong yeah. Island that's been barely upgraded since the 90s. Yeah. Paying more gives you priority and reduces the speed available to others. So sometimes you can't even check your email if you are not paying premium. Llama has no cable connection to Hong Kong because PCCW has a monopoly. It does not care. Take it or leave it. Just increase the price every year and reduce the quality of services as demand increases has been its model. A couple of years ago Carrie announced that rural areas would be subsidised and cable links laid but there is no schedule for when this is happening. Many years at least. That comes uh, from Alan. Thanks for that. Uh, Alistair says, uh, this is I think going back to uh, your suggestion uh, David Webb, um, Alistair says uh, on bilateral country agreements all signatories need to form a club with everyone agreeing to the same rules and regulations especially around border controls and presumably allowing uh, each other free entry to test adherence. Now I doubt New Zealand, Australia will agree to Hong Kong opening its border with China so Hong Kong will need to decide which is the bigger prize, China or New Zealand Australia Vietnam. Hong Kong will have to choose China. That comes from uh, Alistair. David Webb? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as I said earlier, you, you, you tend to distrust, I tend to distrust one-party states with, which don't have a, have a free media. And so you would need some form of verification going on, um, whether it's uh, perhaps uh, having observers in, in randomised samples uh, t of testing in uh, major cities, something of that order that... Uh, you know, you could send people up to Guangzhou and randomly sample people in a supermarket uh, and find out um, how, you know, how many of them uh, have antibodies and how many of them, if any, um, still have any traces of virus. Um, testing is getting more efficient. There is now a 45-minute test for the virus itself available in the hospital authority, not yet at large enough scale to use at the airport, but it's not far off. So you could actually uh, test people without too much uh, disruption to their arrival process. Um, and... You know, to, to get that level of trust in, in bilateral agreements um, uh, or multilateral, uh, you, you would need that. I mean, if you did it bilaterally, um, then uh, people arriving in New Zealand from Hong Kong, for example, would need to show that they had not been in China based on their uh, passport records or immigration records. Uh, but if you could do it multilaterally, then you wouldn't need to show where you've been as long as you're within the you're arriving from a uh, clean country. Just a couple of emails then to uh, finish off. Uh, Mike, uh, thank you. I asked him for some more information about his comparison of Denmark and Sweden. Mike says, I'm looking at the charts of four countries. Denmark closed, Sweden opened. The death curve is nearly the same. It doesn't seem lockdown made a huge difference. That's uh, Mike's point. And uh, Colin says, on opening Hong Kong, the swimming pools and gyms are not on this list. Why not? We need to get our sports coaches back to work. Mm. That comes uh, mm. from Colin. Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you very much indeed to our guest today, Charles Mock, IT sector lawmaker, and uh, David Webb, editor of uh, website.com. Rachel, thank you very much indeed. Rachel Collins, uh, your co-host today. We'll be back on Monday morning. Uh, look forward to seeing you then. I hope you have a good uh, rest over the holiday and weekend. The weather's